Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gateway to Cinema, the spinoff of the far more popular podcast, Reboot Already Underway, The Brady Brides, the oh, main podcast, Brady Brunch. Brunch. Brady Brunch. <laughs> Brady Brunch. <laughs> Yo, man, remember that brunch. episode of The Brady Brunch where they all got brunch? It's my favorite. That was a great one. I am, of course, your host, Aaron Hahn, joined as always by Jacob Lacey. Oh, don't you know... I don't know, I can't think of a good one for this. I mean, I've been waiting all week to hear your attempt at a Minnesota accent oh, for your catchphrase We're doing Fargo today, don't you know? Hey. <laughs> it was real uh, funny not, looking. Not bad, funny honestly. Looking fellow. I live pretty because, close, yeah. so I, we'll count that's, it. That's true. Because, yes, we are once again talking about one of the films from the list of movies I made for Lacey to watch. Films that are just interesting introductions to the larger world of cinema. And this week, we got a film I was really excited to talk about. And a film that Lacey came out enjoying very much, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And that film is Fargo. Don't you know? (laughs) Don't you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's Fargo. Uh, I guess uh, impressions before having seen it. Uh... Well, I had never known that this movie was not all about the cop. <laughs> like, I always just kind of assumed everything you see from this movie, it's always about uh, Frances McDormand, I think is her name, right? Yep. Yeah, all about her character. So I'm like, oh, this whole movie's about this cop. And it opens with uh, William H. Macy or whatever. I mean, not really spoilers. I mean, it's how the movie starts. No. But it, it yeah. opens with him. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're kind of getting a look into him first. And it's like, nope, it's him for quite a while. Um, okay, and then mm-hmm. later you get introduced to Frances McDormand. But... Right, it's, it's like uh, half an hour, I think, before yeah. she shows up. That sounds about right. Which is like a third of the movie, because it's yeah. not that long of a movie. No, not that long. And, man, it works for this movie. It's such like a brisk pace. Like Everything feels important to this. Um, it's great. Um, but, yeah, so... Again, just one of those movies that's uh, such a big part of pop culture now. Um, especially, especially Frances McDormand's character and her, uh, Minnesotan accent, which is just, my God, it's just, watching movies like this, and, like, I guess those episodes of How I Met Your Mother, where they go to Minnesota with Marshall's family or whatever, um, people with Minnesotan Mm -hmm. accents, it's just like, oh, it feels too real. Like, it just feels like, are these, are these actors or are these just real people that they were just like, hey, man. Come on, come on screen, say a couple lines for me. You can do this better than anyone else. <laughs> like, the, uh, like William, H. Wacy, <laughs> William H. Macy's wife um, is mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, it's too sweet. It's too real. I can't take it, Aaron. <laughs> I do think that's, that's kind of like one of the most entertaining aspects of not just this film, but like the entire franchise, if we're counting the FX television series spinoff mm-hmm. is seeing which popular actors can best adopt the accent <laughs> yeah you know you're just you're, you're judging them all against each other you just every <laughs> every new season of Fargo, you're like oh okay who's your big name this week who's gonna you know come and try to do their minnesota accent yeah it's fun i mean there was only one person who i was like this isn't good <laughs> like i can't remember who it is now though Oh gosh! Like their name or the character? Like who they? The... W- like who it even was in the movie? But it, there was just one character. Where I was like, oh, it's um, 
It's the the guy who had the psychological problems. <laughs> like his accent's not good. <laughs> like, but it's all it's whatever. It, it doesn't draw you out of the movie or anything. But anyway, we're not even in spoilers yet. Overall, uh, <laughs> I talk a little bit out on the uh, on the Thursday show about how I'm looking for a new favorite or like my favorite director of all time. Um, right now, it's leaning Coen Brothers because I've started going through their filmography, and Fargo is just another reason to love them. Um, this might be, is this sacrilege? This might be sacrilege, <laughs> but this might be up there with Psycho as like one of the most, like everything in this movie fits and belongs where it needs to be. Like one of the most perfect movies I've ever seen. Not my favorite by the Coen brothers. I think Lebowski is a little bit higher, even though there are like problems with that movie. Um, which, I mean, we'll talk about mm-hmm. later because it's also on the list. Um, but right. I, I think that as far as quality goes, this is just so good. It's just top-notch. Um, I yeah, know. I mean, I don't think there's going to be too many people, like, hounding you for having that opinion. <laughs> like, I, I think, yeah. you know, this is a highly critically acclaimed film. It's on the AFI Top 100 films. It's, you know received tons of critical acclaim from many uh, different outlets. So yeah, I, I think there's a I lot of people know, that would uh, agree with you that it is a you know, very well-crafted film. There's always people like, oh, if it wasn't made before the 70s, it's not a good movie. It's like, it can't be considered like a perfect classic. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't subscribe to that um, no. idea. But there are and this is certainly do. a film that kind of fits in whether we want to call it a modern classic or just a classic at this point i mean it's class yeah it's uh 20 it's, years old yeah. now a little over <laughs> yeah, 20 21 true. same year i was born <laughs> yeah i'm old now <laughs> man um <laughs> but yeah just is <laughs> contemplating his life on the other side um but yeah I, so that's like one of the reasons why i put it on the list i was like this is a classic film this is a film people should watch this was I'm not sure how big into the Coen Brothers you were when I was making this list. I had seen but I, Hail, no, I hadn't even seen Hail Caesar. I'd seen none of their movies at that point. You hadn't seen any of the movies. Well, I was like just getting into them myself okay. when I made this list. So I had like just recently seen Fargo and the Big Lebowski and stuff for mm-hmm. the first time. So I was like, well, this is a film I highly enjoy. This is a film I want to spread to others. And so like those were the reasons I initially put it on the list. But then, like, since then, it's been a film I definitely wanted to talk to you about because, one, I'm watching through season one of the television show right now. I had already watched season two. I'm watching season one now. Then I'm going to watch season three because it's an anthology show and you can do that. You can do it that and way. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a film that I want to talk about because I, I really like the, the thematic material that it tackles and all the moral ambiguity and stuff like that. And it's also one I wanted to cover quickly because on Letterboxd, you put out a list yeah. of your favorite films from every year when you since you've been born. Your favorite film from each year. And your film from 1996 was Happy Gilmore. Still, I still couldn't my number stand one. for that. Still, still I, my number one from that year. I'm Daisy? just kidding. I'm don't just don't kidding. be messing with it. I'm just kidding. Um, I couldn't... I, I can't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't let that be. <laughs> the podcast so would like, end <laughs> right there. <laughs> as soon as possible. I knew this was a film that was guaranteed to top Happy Gilmore for you. Yeah. 
because like if you if you like the Coen Brothers stuff you've seen so far, this might be my favorite of their films. I'm not sure. Okay. So. I mean, not gonna hate on that idea. I mean, or that opinion. That's just like your opinion, man. And uh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, but uh. So I guess let's uh, get into some spoilers. So if you spoilers. haven't seen the film yet, highly, highly recommended by both of us. And if you have seen it or just don't care, we're going to talk about care. it a little in-depth with spoilers. Care this time. Everyone care. care. Care about this movie. Um, I mean, it's 21 years old now, so most people have probably already seen this like 30 right. times. Um, and there's so many like iconic moments just in pop culture, like the uh, wood chipper yeah. scene. I don't know if you knew that beforehand that I that was like a thing. Had known, like I had heard that there was like a wood chipper involved in this movie before, but like while I was watching it, that didn't even come to mind until I saw it. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I I had heard about this. And also living in the Midwest, uh, you know, there's always like folk tales, like oh there were two brothers on this road that chopped up this might actually be a true story uh, <laughs> uh but but uh a little well, well a little fargo is a true, true story, story. i saw that marks. and i was like no there's no way and then as soon as like i like i saw the tone and everything i'm like no they're just joking with me like this that's not, well, it's not a real story i do i do like their uh rationale though when they were like if you tell people it's a true story ahead of time you can get away with certain things that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Because, you know, <laughs> it's like the whole thing, that the idea that, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. And, and so they're just like, well, we're just going to tell you it's truth. And then everything, you're just going to have to, you know, buy into all of our ridiculous antics. And it's like, that's actually a pretty, pretty uh, genius uh, justification for yeah, it's not bad. claiming it's a truth. But, uh... So there's a small town in, in my state called the Mayo, and apparently there were two brothers who were like killing people and like feeding, like chopping them up in wood chippers and then feeding them to their pigs. And I don't know if that's oh. a true story, and I'm really sorry if it is, and I just made fun of it. But I, is it a true story? It, it seems like a tall tale, but you know, like oh, don't be nice to strangers, you know that kind of thing that they teach you when you're kids. Um, that's. That's what they teach you? That's what they teach you in Michigan, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Spoilers. We're, we're there now. Um, I was gonna say, oh yeah, you were talking about the moral ambiguity of the show. And I want to get back to the show in a little bit. But I also wanted to mention that... As well as being in the show, I mean, I guess, I, again, I haven't seen it. But in this movie... Um, William H. Macy's character is just mm -hmm. so well-written and acted, and just everything about him is just so, like, you feel so bad for him, but you're also like, you're a horrible person, but also you feel so bad because he has, like, everything going wrong in his life, but it's also like, you did the wrong thing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. he never meant for those people to get killed. That was never his intention. But he was still an idiot. He still thought he could fake get his wife kidnapped and, like, get money <laughs> for it. It's like, well, you're an right. idiot. Right, it's so... like he, he, he assumes that that's logically the best course of action. He's just like, oh, yeah, kidnap yeah. my wife. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to ask her first. I'm not, I'm not going to bring her in on this. I'm just, no. go ahead, kidnap her. Yeah, yeah, go for it. 
Yeah, why, why would he not even be like, hey, do you want to do this? Like, hey, we could get money. And then it's like, well, <laughs> she loves her dad or whatever. Oh, dads. <laughs> no. um, yeah, so I, like, like we've said for like actually quite a few of the movies in this list, uh, the film likes to toy with, with your sympathies towards a character. And like, <laughs> you want William H. Macy to be like, hey, like... You want him to be successful, but also, like, you're kind of like, yeah, lock him up. He's a horrible person. <laughs> you know. Um, right, right. No, I got exactly what you're saying. And it's it's something to bring the, the television show into it. Uh, the, the first season basically kind of recreates a lot of the same, uh, like, character archetypes, I suppose, as the film. Okay. So you once again have a character who is initially presented to us as sympathetic you know like everything's going wrong in his life and then over the course of the series especially there's just like one moment where i i, I just realized i was like i hate this character now like you need to bring him down cop people <laughs> cop people <laughs> take him down cop people all right so i haven't finished the season yet so i haven't i haven't gotten that uh satisfaction but i'm 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 hoping it's coming (laughs) yeah but but like so like that's very much the i i I guess the connective tissue between like the show and the film more or less because it's not it's not like recurring characters or anything like that it's just basically same tone style and all that but just like these questions of morality because we basically have you know like almost three shades of it because we have our our cop characters who are just almost pure good good characters through and through (laughs) almost to the point of like being naive about all the evil that can exist in the world and then we of course we have that evil represented by our two uh criminals there the dude from until dawn (laughs) like i was like i haven't played until dawn i know but like as it it was one of those moments where i'm like this is really weird because i was watching this movie I'm like, this guy looks super familiar. What have I seen him in? And then eventually I look him up and I'm like, he's in Until Dawn. Isn't it weird that we're at this point where like you can recognize people from video games in movies and be like, oh, you're, you're in this. <laughs> anyway, that was a weird moment. That's, yeah, an interesting point. But yeah, so you, like you have those two as like the polar opposites on the moral scale. And then you have, you know, someone like Jerry, who's kind of like, He's definitely leaning more towards the bad side, but he's still so sympathetic. And yeah. it's just, it's interesting kind of like watching the Coen brothers try to like, you know, the way, showing the ways in which, the reasons why characters fall into the categories that they do, you know, like who gets to be like thrown into the good category who gets to be thrown into the bad who's in the middle and like why are they placed there you know like the the institutions in their lives their upbringing all this sort of stuff the social connections they have you know and then just like separating them off and making these contrasts it's just a very interesting film i find yeah i mean i I agree the thing i found that i love about the coen brothers and it shines through in this movie too is that they always have, like, a pretty interesting plot, but the thing that drives their movies more than anything are just these, like, really interesting, complex characters who, 
mm-hmm. the only one I'm, I can think of that I've seen that like isn't the exact same way is probably Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is a little bit more plot heavy. But there are like George Clooney's character is pretty complex, so there there are shades of it. But yeah, there's still complexity. When you look at like Barton Fink, not plot heavy at all, very character driven. Um, Big Lebowski, super character uh, character driven. Definitely. Um, and then this, which again has a thread of a plot, but then there's moments with uh, God. I just watched this movie, but I can't remember anyone's name right now. Uh, Francis McDormand's cop character. What's her name? I, Marge. Marge. Thank you. Uh, with Marge, where she just goes to dinner with this. I assume past flame. I'm guessing like they had dated probably before. Um, I'm, I don't remember if it specifies. I don't but, think it you is, know. but that's kind of the relationship I got between them. The vibe, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, which doesn't really have much of anything to do with the plot at all, but it is an interesting look into her character and sort of her past as well, and just who she is in. In the face of this man who's, like, obviously trying to, like, hit on her and, like, mm-hmm. get close to her. She's just like, and she, he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. She's like, oh, no, no problem. No, not at all. <laughs> I can't do the accent. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it is a great way of, like, establishing her character as just kind of, like, the embodiment of this Minnesota nice <laughs> attitude kind of thing. It really is. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to say it. I was really, really... Like, the moment where I was kind of let down by this movie, and, like, not really let down, because I'm like, I realize why it happens and why it has to happen, and I realize it works, like, 100% in the movie, but I'm like, when the wife died, I was like, oh, that's kind of sad. She was, like, the only character I was, like, other than Marge, that I'm like, yo, you're cool. And again, it's because she's played by this sweet lady who's just like, how could anything bad happen? She's such a sweet lady. And I was looking at her filmography. I'm like, what else has she been in? The only other thing I've seen her in was Drop Dead Gorgeous. And I'm like, oh, gosh. What a career. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I don't think that's, like, it's definitely not, like, a flaw. No, 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 no. It's it's just because, you know, it's, like, showing the consequences of you know, like, Jerry's actions, you know, yeah. like, this is what he brought about, and we should feel sympathy for his wife, and we should hate him all the more for, you know, causing the situation to arise. And yeah, I don't... I, so it's, 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 again, just, like, messing with your sympathies and, like, showing the the violent outcomes that come from, like, embracing these... These the, the Or evil side of this moral spectrum, if yeah. that's what we're... Establishing I mean, it. As... I didn't. I, I didn't mean to make it sound like I thought it was like a downside of the movie. I, I don't think it is. I think it's just one of those moments where, like, that's when another reason I realized this movie was so great is because I felt that for that character, and I was like, I want her to escape. I want her to live, and then it's just like, well, no. Just they don't even like make a big deal about it. He just comes in the cabin. He's like, "What's up over there?" She was she was shrieking and all that, so I just blew her away. I'm like. Oh, okay, all right, well, this man's a, a maniac. And I was just waiting, mm-hmm. waiting for that moment where he was going to snap on, uh, oh, God. What is his name? Which one? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> which, which guy? Uh, the other guy. The Oh, sort of funny looking. <laughs> what is his name? Carl? No, I mean, like, what is... Or the other one. What is his actual name? Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I could not remember that for the life of me. Um, but yeah, I was just waiting for that moment where he was going to snap on Steve Buscemi, and they play it so well that he keeps turning around to talk to him and be like, you know what? You know what? Screw you. Like, I'm going to leave. And then he was about to walk out, and he turns back around, and he's like, I'm going to do it. And every time I'm, like, waiting. I'm like, I'm waiting for that gunshot to go. I'm waiting. And they play it so well because nothing happens. They're like, oh, he's actually going to just get away. And then he comes flying out the door with the axe. And I'm like, oh, my God. What a perfect scene. Like, it's so it well done. It's a great scene. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> that's everything in this movie is so great. Um, so we can know. talk about, like, one of my... Probably, like, one of my favorite... My favorite moment of this film probably one of my favorite moments in like all of cinema it's just like a, a moment that just kind of had like a really powerful impact on me almost like like I, as like a person like this changed okay the way i thought about things in a sense so the the moment the at, the, at like the end of the film uh marge you know arrests the guy and then she's just talking to him mm-hmm. from the front seat of the car and she's basically just like why'd you do it yeah for for money there's more to life than just a little money you know Mm -hmm. and then like she just like goes home and she's like there with her husband and she's pregnant and you know they're planning the whole family out and everything i just i just thought it was like such an incredibly profound statement in a sense you know just like you know here's this woman who has like such a great nice life and she's so happy within everything and then it's almost like she can't comprehend why anyone would ever turn to this evil side because you know mm-hmm. the the criminals as we said are like the most evil side of this uh morality spectrum mm-hmm. so I, I i i i this that's why this film ended up on my list of films that made me cry when i made that <laughs> list on letterbox like that that oh, moment yeah. i was I just like you know that's it. that was like a really powerful emotional moment for me just kind of like watching the conflict between these these two people and just uh it's it's just this idea of you know trying to figure out once you've seen all the evil in the world trying to just comprehend like why someone would ever do that Mm -hmm. you know like you can see how good the good is and you can see how bad the evil is so why are you know the decision's still like so complicated for people. Yeah. I don't, I don't... No, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I mean, it, it didn't hit me that exact same way, but I mean, that's the beauty of art. It can hit everyone different ways. It's all up to interpretation and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, the way I really, I, I really loved that final scene, and it, I guess, kind of a different way, but sort of the same way, where she goes back to this great life. After she had seen some of the most atrocious things a human being could ever see. And she just, mm-hmm. like, goes home and is like, alright, well, that happened, but I'm not going to, like, dwell on it. She's like, this is just a normal part of life. And, I don't know, I wonder how you read this. Because, once in a while, it felt like, I, I think you might read this differently. Every once in a while, it felt like she was sort of like, oh, my husband's kind of 
dope, not dopey, but she's like, ah, oh, he's kind of a, a loser. Did you ever get that at all? Not necessarily that he's a loser. Not, I don't think she looks down on him. No, I no, think no, no, they no. have a very, you know, like, supportive relationship. But at the sa- I get what you're saying in the sense that it's, it's kind of like the, yeah, the stagnant home life kind yeah. of thing. And, and I think that's very much connected to kind of the ideas that Fargo plays with. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm bringing too much of the TV show into this because both season one and season two cover characters like this but characters who feel like trapped within their marriages and then just like resort to these violent acts to kind of like break out of that mold and then you know kickstart the events of the rest of the season which then you know spirals downward fairly quickly as is yeah expected out of in the fargo world but uh yeah i mean that whole ending within that context of maybe in the beginning of the movie it looks like she it she feels like it's a static relationship at the end i didn't get any of that from her and Mm -hmm. i feel like it's because of that scene in the car where she i think she kind of explains it to herself like why would anyone want anything different and then she sees all this horrible stuff she's like i could have it way worse (laughs) and like you know one of those things i don't know i don't know again up to interpretation. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think our interpretations are that far off because I kind of see it as her like being a pre- more appreciative of the life that she has mm-hmm. because you know she has seen all that evil in the world. So for sure, yeah, that was like a that was like a really messed up scene. <laughs> There's just this big pile of blood and guts and like oh, just shoving the foot in. <laughs> like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> Um, and you're just like, hey, hey, do you think no one's gonna notice that giant uh, blood-stained pile of snow? <laughs> Dude, I don't think that guy cared. <laughs> he was like, whatever. I don't think he did. I, no. Yeah, I think that was the point. Is that that he was just trying to like inflict pain at that point, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> just, I love how that character starts out with like, I want some pancakes, and then he's just shoving bodies into a wood chipper by the end. It's like, holy <laughs> crap! Okay, you took a turn he, for he, the worse. The the balance of the tone in this film is so perfect. It's it is. just it's wonderful. It is. Because you're just there's so many just hilarious scenes in this as well. You know, the the scene with the criminals in the car, you know, I want pancakes. Yep. We just had we just ate or whatever. And then you got like a scene where Steve Buscemi is at the parking garage and he's like trying to leave and he's just like <laughs> You got you got to pay the four dollars. <laughs> oh like God. no, I just turned around. I decided I, not to park. <laughs> I love I love the little look on his face. It's like one of those just small movie moments that make it so great. Where it's just like, dude, like I I was j- you just saw me come through here, <laughs> and then he just curses him out, and he's like, whoa, okay then. <laughs> like the dude just like is not phased by it at all. He's like, well, I need that four dollars, sir. Hey, and that's that's Canada. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Close, close enough, enough, close enough. Yeah. But, that it, but, like, that's a great scene. And they actually, like, somewhat recreate that scene in the first season of the TV show. They do, like, you know, a similar situation. And it's also a scene that I think has appeared in other media as well. I think Better Call Saul in its first season did a similar kind of scene. So I think that's very much a, a moment that has influenced pop culture Ant-Man. since the release of this movie. Hmm? They do it in Ant-Man. 
No, they, do they, they do don't. They don't really do it in Ant-Man. What? But every time, every time I just go, dude. I think about the Baskin Robbins kid. He's <laughs> like, "What's hot? What's hot? You got anything hot here? Like, I really want something warm. Anything warm you can give me." <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, um, I I don't know. You got anything else you want to say about this as far as uh, spoilers go? I mean, I think I've covered everything I really wanted to discuss with you because i mainly just wanted to dig into like the thematic material that the coin brothers are working with while also you know touching on a few things like the great acting and the great humor yeah so we touched on it yeah i mean i definitely would recommend you watch the television show i really want I, to now i think the thing is i i would i mean you, you probably wouldn't watch it for a while anyway but I would give it a little break in between watching the movie for the first time and watching the show for the first time because I okay. do think the as I'm watching the season one, you know, watching through it, I am noticing that it very much contains a, a very similar you know structure and character archetypes to the film. So I don't know if watching them that close together is going to hinder your experience with the show or not because you'll just be like, oh, it's not it's just kind of like a stretched out version of the movie okay but i would highly highly recommend the show to watch at some point it's it does an excellent job of recapturing that same style that same tonal balance and those same like questions of morality and all that and you know you got plenty of all-star actors mm -hmm. in the series first season you got like martin freeman you got billy bob thornton you got colin hanks and and also, Key and Peele, they showed I've up seen, recently I, in episodes. Um, <laughs> for one of my classes, uh, we watched, it was like a really early media class. It was like right when season two was like coming out. And he was like, yo, you guys been watching Fargo? And I was like, no. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I've been watching. He's like, well, we're going to watch a scene from it because this is a really great scene. And you all could learn something from this. And I'm like, all right, well, what is it? And spoilers, I guess, not really. I mean, yeah, I don't feel bit. like I don't feel like I understand anything about the season from this scene, but it's when they're sitting outside in a car, while the villain, I suppose, goes into the building yeah. and just shoots up the building. I was, I, like, I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, uh, that so that scene alone, I was like, okay, yep, this show sounds like awesome, and I want to watch it, but I should probably see the movie first. Now I've seen the movie. Yeah, I think that'd be a good bet. Yeah. So, season one, great so far. Not quite done with it. Season two, masterpiece. Probably better than season one. Mm. And I'm excited to watch season three. So. All right. Well, Aaron. I would highly recommend the show, especially since you like this movie. Where do you rank it in your list of I, cinemas? I'd, I'd have to double check this, but I believe it ranked eighth, eighth. for me. Well, I'm looking yes. at my list right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, as I figure it out in my mind, in my mind's eye. Hmm. In your mind's eye. In my mind's eye. Yeah, mine ended up eighth uh, after 60s Batman movie before The Graduate. Okay. See, The Graduate's my number one still, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five. 
Five. You don't. You don't have to. Uh, four. I'm going with four. Commit to it. Uh, yeah, point. I know. I'm just uh, as as like a rough outline. I'm going number four right now, under Donnie Darko, right above Rear Window. Um. So. High praise for me. <clears throat> but I love the Coen Brothers. I'm finding that out. I I love their style. I love the way they decide to. Or, the way they decide to, the way they write, the way they uh, create characters and everything along those lines. So, um, And we got two more of their films to cover in this series. So. I'm excited. Should be fun to talk I, about. I'm not super excited for No Country for Old Men because I feel like that's going to be a more serious... Uh, you should be. You should be excited. Okay, man, that got me excited. Um, I, no, I, I get what you're saying. It, it is a much more serious film than many of the other ones, but it right. is a great film. So, All right, well, now I'm excited. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. Do we have any idea what we're oh, covering gosh, what next, comes week? Out next week? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Do we want to do Blade 2? Yeah, Blade 2. Let's do it. All right. All right, so next week, join us as we talk about Blade 2. Uh, we'll see if it can rank higher than Blade, because uh, that's it will. the bottom of both of our lists. <laughs> it will. I can guarantee you it will rank at least higher than Blade. Although, when I rewatched Blade, I liked it much less. If I rewatch Blade 2, which I will, <laughs> um, I wonder how that's going to rank. But we'll see. Alright, so uh, until the... Oh, if you want to find us around the web. <laughs> yeah. What? No, nothing. You can, you can find Lacey at uh, Jake Lace, Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. You can find him at Jake Lace on Tumblr. You can find him at Jake Lace on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. If you want to stalk his stalk movie viewing, me. as I do. Yeah, I stalk his, too. I stalk his watch list and everything, too. It's, it's real fun. If you want to stalk us. I have a very interesting watch list. <laughs> you do. Mine is just filled with uh, Sofia Coppola, Catherine Bigelow, and Ingrid Goes West. So, um, it's it's great. It's a great watch list. I don't use watch lists. Mine is filled with like all these films that like I hear of once, and I'm like, I really need to see that, but I'm gonna forget this movie exists if I don't put it in my watch list. <laughs> so. Like Major Pain. Yeah, not Major Pain, but yeah. David talks about that one more than once. <laughs> anyway, if you want to find uh, David from the main podcast from the world, you can find him at dbex15, dbex with two S's. Mm-hmm. If you want to find me around the web, you can find me at Little Flame Dude on Twitter. You can find me at this clever blog name is already taken.tumblr.com. You can find me also on Letterboxd if you want. At Little Flame Dude, he you can see how much of me, my man. life I waste watching terrible horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you've been kicking them out lately. so. Yeah, that's true, I hope. If you want to find the main podcast on the web, you can find us at RebootRD underway, or re- at RebootRD on, on Twitter. You can find us at RebootRD underway on <laughs> oh Facebook. Give us a like. The wheels are coming off. <laughs> Give us a like for news and new updates and stuff. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Give us a review. Mm-hmm. Give us five stars if and you like what it, we say. Write it in a Minnesotan accent how much you love this yes. show. Please, please, please do. Yeah. All right. So next week we are covering Blade 2. Until then, don't think it. Don't say it. Bye-bye, man. Don't you know. <laughs> a Minnesotan bye-bye, man. Oh my god, it'd be too good for anyone.